Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 50, and we're going to take a look at the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers and Grain Millers International Union. But first of all, I want to give a big shout out to my listeners, so let me go to that lovely list. So a big shout out to Texas, New York, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, Indiana, Virginia, Washington and Florida. So that is good. So this one's not very long, but it's a good one. So it's the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers and Grain Millers International Union. So it was founded in 1886. It has uh, its headquarters in Kensington, Maryland in the United States. It has locations in the United States and Canada. They have 73,694 members. Anthony Shelton is their president. David Woods is their secretary treasurer. They have affiliations with the AFL-CIO and the CLC. So it says here the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers and Grain Millers International Union, also known as BCTGM, is a labor union in the United States and Canada, primarily representing workers in the food processing industry. The union was established in 1886 as the Journeyman Bakers Union. The contemporary BCTGM was formed in January 1999 as a merger of the Bakery, Confectionery and Tobacco Workers International Union and the American Federation of Grain Millers. The BCTGM is affiliated with the AFL-CIO, the Canadian Labor Congress and the International Union of Food Workers. It says here The predecessors of today's BCTGM include the Bakery and Confectionery Workers International Union of America. The BNC began as the Journeyman's Bakers Union, organized in 1886 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In the late 1950s, the BNC, as it was called, was it had problems with accusations of corruption against its president, James G. Cross. In response, at the end of 1957, Many local unions voted to disaffiliate and form a new American Bakery and Confectionery Workers International Union. BNC was known, or sorry, was thrown out, out of the AFL-CIO and the ABC was admitted in its place. After 11 years of feuding, in 1969, the two organizations reunited under the BNC name. The Tobacco Workers International Union was founded in 1895. As it and the Bakery and Confectionery Workers International Union of America shared many common goals, both organizations merged in 1978, creating the Bakery and Confectionery and Tobacco Workers. The American Federation of Grain Millers also has roots stemming back to the 1800s. In 1936, the National Council of Grain Processors was formed when a number of smaller grain milling unions agreed to unite as a national union under the banner of the American Federation of Labor, one of the early umbrella organizations for labor unions. In 1941, the council was renamed the American Federation of Grain Processors and in 1948 was reorganized as the AFGM. Shared goals and shared industries led to the January 1, 1999 merger between the BCT and AFGM, creating the modern BCTGM. Because the predecessors of BCTGM organized workers in the United States and Canada, they included the word international in their name. Now that's where I get concerned as usual where you have the word international in their name because typically what can happen is other unions will use the the United States as their personal piggy bank because when it comes to Canada it is a socialist country. 
So we don't function or operate the same way as Canada, and that's really a good thing because we practice more capitalism than they do. But unfortunately, whenever you align yourself with socialists, they're basically going to use you for money. So that has been a problem with labor unions in the past. So it says here, on August 26, 2000, approximately 680 BCT GM workers began a strike against the Earth Grains Company at a plant in Fort Payne, Alabama. The strike was brought in part to protest mandatory overtime and few days off. By August 31, 2000, the strike had spread to five other bakeries in Memphis and Chattanooga, Tennessee, Atlanta and Forest Park, Georgia, and Mobile, Alabama, where worker contracts had expired. At this time, around 1,565 workers were involved. By September 6, the strike had expanded to eight more plants. Around 2,700 workers were involved, a total of 12% of Earth Grain's workforce. The strike eventually grew to a maximum of 27 bakeries before it was ended, with the ratification of a new contract at Fort Payne on September 22nd. On November 9th, 2012, the BCTGM went on strike at bakeries operated by Hostess Brands to protest contract changes forced upon its members by a bankruptcy court. On November 16th, 2012, after warning the union that it would be unable to continue operations unless employees returned to work, Hostess Brands Inc. filed a motion to change its bankruptcy filing from one of reorganization to one of liquidation, shutting down the company. The liquidation resulted in the loss of 18,500 jobs, including approximately 6,500 BCTGM members. After announcing the company's liquidation, Hostess Brands published a notice announcing that the business is unprofitable under its current cost structure, much of which is determined by union wages and pension costs, describing their offer to BCTGM as having include wage benefit and work rule concessions and giving Hostess Brands 12 unions a 12 or sorry, 25% ownership stake in the company, representation on its board of directors and 100 million dollars and reorganized Hostess Brands debt. The Teamsters Union had reached a deal with the Hostess brand, but BCTGM representing bakery workers refused to agree to concessions. Teamster officials said that the BCTGM had chosen to not look at or not look for a resolution or engage in the process. BCTGM president Frank Hurt issued a statement claiming that Hostess failed because its six management teams over the last eight years were unable to make it a profitable, successful business enterprise, and that despite a commitment from the company after an earlier bankruptcy, that the resources derived from the workers' concessions would be plowed back into the company, this never materialized. BCTGM President Hurt resigned from his position six weeks later, effective January 1, 2013. Now, I personally remember some of this when this happened because this affected some bakeries and such in Oklahoma. And what's interesting is that when Hostess went under and then someone else bought it out, the Twinkie totally went bad. It's, a lot of their products are not made the same. It doesn't taste the same. The only product that I think is still good and tastes the same is the Hostess cupcake. But I think it is a true crime that the Twinkie does not taste the same. It is just horrible. It is so gross. I can't believe someone could actually ruin the Twinkie, but they did. But here's the thing. The union bankrupted this company. It bankrupted them so bad, and they were so stubborn, they refused to even come to the table 
and acknowledge that hey we've got a problem here you know this company it has to be successful in order to stay in business if it's not successful and it does not stay in business then there's really no point in you having union jobs because you're not going to have a job to come to so unfortunately the union was very stupid and it pretty much caused a bankruptcy within that company which is really sad so then it goes on to say on July 5th 2021 BCTGM members of Baker Workers Local 218 at the Frito-Lay factory in Topeka, Kansas voted to strike. As of July 23, 2021, the strike had continued for more than 2 weeks. Workers spoke out about 12-hour, 7-day work weeks, stagnant wages, and inhumane conditions in the plant, such as a lack of air conditioning. Now that I understand. What I don't understand is why they would go on strike when all you have to do is call OSHA. OSHA can come in and inspect that easy peasy and call this employer out on it. Like you don't go on strike, you actually take it to the appropriate authorities and let them handle it. So that's, you know, my opinion on that. It says here that a 37-year-old employee and union steward Mark McCarter urged consumers to boycott Frito-Lay and Pepsi products for the duration of the strike. Well, why should we do that? Why should we not have access to why should we not have access to food when you don't want to go to work? It's like, you know, I don't think so. That's not going to happen and plus during the summer, people are going to buy chips and soda during the summer when they're having barbecues. And here's the thing. If you've got a problem with air conditioning, I guarantee you that was nothing new. So why didn't you report it way sooner and get it fixed sooner? Like there's a way to handle these things. Asking the public to not buy your product and basically to let it rot is not the solution. That's just stupidity. Like how are you ever going to make up those funds? You won't be able to make it up if your product just rots on the shelves. It doesn't make sense. So it says here starting on August 10th, 2021, Nabisco employees from several bakeries and distribution centers across the United States went on strike over disagreements regarding new labor contracts with the company. By August 20th, the strike involved over 1,000 workers. Nabisco has its own problems. We can go into that in another podcast, but Yeah, you know, just because someone goes on strike that doesn't mean that they really should have because they they're affecting a lot of things here with the market when they do that. But that's their goal. They want people to suffer because they think that their wages and their workers' rights are more important than everybody else's when in fact they are not. So it goes on to say on August 5th, 2021, workers at all of the Kellogg cereal producing plants in the United States went on strike over disagreements during contract negotiations. Now, I remember hearing something about Kellogg's workers and them going on strike and I completely disagree with them going on strike because here here's the thing Kellogg is a really large company and they provide a lot of food for a lot of people a lot of consumers and here's the thing a lot of their products are what's it called vitamin enriched or calcium enriched like they have enriched ingredients so it provides more nutrients well guess what A lot of people need that nutrients. And so if you're not doing your job and you're not making the product, how are we supposed to get access to food? I think it's very selfish of Kellogg workers to not do their job and to just go on strike. And it's another reason why I agree with the government when they banned certain unions and certain industries from going on strike because of how it affects the public. An example of that, I think it's the utility workers or the people of the railroads and the um trolleys The streetcars, they went on strike. This was many, many, many moons ago when railroads and streetcars were the basic mode of transportation especially in cities. Well, this union, not this particular union, but the union for those 
railroad workers and things like that, they went on strike and it halted all tra- all traffic basically in these cities. And it was just wrong of them to do that because people couldn't get to work. They couldn't get to their jobs. It was affecting the entire nation. It was affecting the entire economy of the United States. See, that's where unions go too far. They act like they are more important than other people's work and other people's jobs, and it's not. We all have equality. That doesn't mean we're all going to be making the same wages. It just means that we all have a right to work. But just because I have a right to work, that doesn't mean that if I stop going to work or that if I get mad at my employer and don't want to work anymore, that doesn't mean that my lack of employment should affect you and your industry. That's the problem with that. That's the problem with unions. Sometimes they get a chokehold on the American people and they use it to their advantage just so they can squeeze more money out of us. And I say us because it's the consumer that that they are punishing. It's their neighbor that they're punishing. It's not really their employer. Because if you notice whenever you're dealing with unions, they are providing a service of some sort. So whenever they go on strike, they are withholding their labor. Well, whenever they withhold their labor, that directly impacts other people's jobs. It directs it directly impacts other people's communities, it affects our economy, and it affects other people's wages. And in this case, in regards to Kellogg's, it affects people getting access to food. Because cereal is a basic form of food in our society in the United States. It's a great way to get nutrients. It is. And it's a cheap way of getting nutrients. Well, here's the thing. Do these workers really care about other people? I would say no, because they don't care that people are not able to buy their goods when they go on strike. Do they probably have a reason to go on strike? Sure, but go to the table and negotiate. Like don't just not show up to work. Like you need to show up to work and do your job and do it well. That's my point. You know, unions they can do their thing as long as it's legal and moral, but whenever they get in the way of other people living their life, that's when it starts kind of breaking the law a little bit. Like this wasn't necessarily breaking the law, but they're getting there. And then they try and pull the whole victim card. It's like, "No, actually you're not the victim." You know, you're Here's the thing. If you don't like where you work, leave. Go get a different job. They will find somebody else to take your place. That's how it is at any place of employment. But unfortunately with with unions, they put a chokehold on the American people and on our economy, and then they try and play the victim card to get the the public to fall for their lies and feel sorry for them. It's like, "Do you realize that whenever a union like the like the workers at Kellogg's whenever they do things like this, They're just doing it for money. They're just doing it for money. They're putting a stranglehold or a chokehold on the American people and on our economy because they want more of our money. Well, here's the thing. If you want more money, you need to take that up with your boss. You need to take that up with your employer. You know, that's the normal way of doing things. You know, how can I make more money? and then they'll let you know well you can do continuing education you can be promoted have you looked at this position have you thought of relocating you know there's all these different ways that's the normal way of making more money but unfortunately with labor unions they get away with doing a lot of things that that are not appropriate in the workforce it's not appropriate in the workplace and then they're the ones pulling the victim card out on the field it's like you know that gets really old really quick 
If they want more money, that's great, but you need to do it in a feasible and responsible way. And it should never be punishing other American workers. That's just not right. But anyway, that is it for this lovely podcast, kind of short and sweet. So let me see what the next one's going to be. The next one is going to be either the Brotherhood of Railroad Single or Signalmen or California School Employees Association. I want to double check and make sure we haven't already discussed those cuz some of those they get bought out or merge with each other, so I want to make sure that there's no duplication. But until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Smallest steps waves transform the earth